what limit would you say is a good limit to like okay now we have enough data points is it 20 relevant icps is it 100 how many would you say where is the benchmark i'm always say 32 why why for it i love this like specific, super specific. why why for it? <laughs> it follows a statistic thing at the end i'm assuming that everything follows a kind of a gaussian a gaussian distribution and if, if everything follows a gaussian distribution as long as you have 32 points you can understand the distribution welcome to the podcast b2b saw ceos with me joseph Olsen, as your host I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi, my name is Eulogy Bordas. I am the CEO at Flowbox and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Eulogy. Hey, thank you, Joseph. How are you? Good, man. Good. Here, I'm just here in Barcelona, enjoying the sun. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm quite happy. I can understand it because I'm looking out in a rainy, gray Stockholm. But we are not here to talk about weather. We are here <laughs> to focus on you. Uh, cool. First thing first, who is Eulogy? Please help me get the context of how you look at yourself. Okay, so yeah, I'm a I'm an uh, I'm a Spanish citizen. I was born and raised here in Barcelona. I am 40 years old. Uh, I studied economics uh, at my at, the, at one of the best universities from from Spain. Then I was able to to do some studies abroad. I went to the Carnegie Mellon University in in Pittsburgh. Then I was at the Wharton School of Business in Philadelphia. And then I also did some part of my career or of my studies in London School of Economics. So when I graduated from economics, I started my, my experience as a management consultant. I was working for one of the largest kind of IT consulting companies from Spain, some sort of the Accenture, no, kind of, of but it was based out of Spain. So I, I was in this company for about four years. And then with three more colleagues, we decided to, to build our own consulting company. So we, we partnered with a human resources company that wanted kind of to have a consulting practice within their group. And we created this practice by ourselves. We started the four of us. Back in 2012, no, 2010, we started back in 2010. And we went from four employees to nearly 60 employees in a couple of years. And at some point in time, I left because I had to help out my father. He has a, a, another company and, and he asked me for some help. So I had to help him out for some months. But at that moment, that company got merged with Deloitte Spain. So, so uh, it was nice to see that something that that I was part of the very founding team at the end got in, integrated into a really large kind of company like, like Deloitte. So yeah, then, and so I was at the moment, as I said, with my father helping him out, but I, I had kind of this, 
willingness to build something by my own. I had this willingness to get in touch with technology. When I was a kid, I really enjoyed kind of building my games with Lego, programming, this of kind course. of stuff. Oh, I, Lego, kind of, like, yeah, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm geeky, you know? So I was, I was enjoying that a lot. So I said to my father, I'm sorry, I'm leaving your company. That was a tough decision. That was something complex in the family, as you can imagine. Um, and I went to Madrid as a kind of a business director of one software. It was a human resources software that was analyzing resumes from people and kind of giving a score. And I was there for two, three years until 2015. And then in 2015, I met my co-founder at Photoslorp. Okay, so I, I am, now that we are speaking about Flowbox today, um, but uh, I started Photoslorp here in Spain with my co-founder, Ben Heinkel. And we both developed and worked on the on Photoslorp that in 2022, no, basically 14 months ago, we merged with Flowbox. At that, and in that kind of merge process, I stepped up as, a, as the CEO for the group. So that would be a little bit of my background and story. Thank you for sharing. And we will definitely talk more about the march and yeah, yeah sure i guess i guess, I guess that out but for the listeners now talking about flowbox because that yep. is the uh, company you are now a ceo of the group what does the company do please do the do the elevator yeah, pitch yeah. basically we are a we are a, a marketing technology and we enable brands across the globe to to leverage the social content or the user generated content um that their users, influencers, customers kind of they share on social media. No, so we we enable brands to leverage this content and to use it across the whole online shopping journey, with the end goal of increasing on online sales. So basically, we our technology we we will go into the social networks. We'll automatically collect all these images and videos that someone has posted on Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, no? featuring a brand. All this content is then gathered into kind of a management platform where brands can easily moderate, moderate this content, create this content, organize it, rearrange it, whatever. And they can also make this content shoppable. Basically, means connecting this con this this image that has been collected or this video that has been collected, connected with a product that they sell on their e-commerce. Once this connection is done, then brands can request to the users the media rights. So the brands they have kind of a, a legal right to use this content in a commercial way. So once this happens, our technology will start pushing this content now shoppable because it's connected with product across the whole shopping journey. What this means? This means, for example, on an e-commerce. So, so a lot of brands, they enrich their e-commerce experience by introducing user-generated content on their homepage, on their product page, on their galleries. And that they, so it's a, it's a perfect way for them to showcase how real users are using their products. And once you click on any of these images, you can see that product and once yeah. you click, you are driven to the product page or to get it or to buy this product. At the end, what yeah. we want is to 
enable brands to enrich the shopping experience with a much more inspiring content that will drive sales up. Make sense, Joseph? Yeah. For me, it makes sense. And I hope that you who is hearing this now, tuning in also got at least some pictures of what Flowbox and Geology are doing. Uh, and now it's time for something I call five quick ones. Okay, let's and go for it. Let's okay. get user-generated content. Instagram content from the users. Okay, next thing. Next thing. The life of being an entrepreneur. Complex. Your biggest role model? Um, Tim Cook. Something that's keeping you awake during the night? Oh, it's three things. It's cash, sales, and charm. <laughs> cash, <laughs> okay. And the last thing here, your happy place? The sofa at home. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, uh, I want to address the third thing you mentioned, your biggest role model, Tim Cook. Yeah. Why him? For a couple of reasons. First off, he took the baton of someone really special that was Steve Jobs, right? No, Steve Jobs, ultra visionary, kind of really, no, with a strong personality kind of guy, no, that, that really helped build the brand of Apple. And, and, and kind of changed the whole music industry, um, cell phone industry, computers Computer. industry, et cetera, et cetera. No, for, it, yeah. it, for me, it has been one of the kind of largest gurus in our, in our era. Okay. Yeah. And you can say, and why not him? Uh, I like him as well. Uh, but I think that Tim Cook, he has, he has given, a, he was given a really, really complex thing to manage because he 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 was giving something from the one of the owners and he need to kind of not just to maintain but also grow so he i think that he was in a really strong really complex position for him to show and i think that he has been able in the last no in the last years that he has kind of as the ceo of for apple to really grow the company to kind of to kind of make sure that the company gets products, gets kind of exciting products, gets still gets on the hype, gets on the... It, it, it is, is still driving the company to become a visionary company as well. And I think that he has, he's, at least for me, he sounds much, much more a simple guy, honest, transparent, and that is, that is able to manage the company properly. That is what I would say. Good point. And yeah, I think actually we should move on now to the first external question, because in my okay, podcast, let's go. I, it's not just me shooting questions. I want to lift in one or two other people. And today we are quickly joined by Mikke Selander at Surveya. Okay. This is his question. Hey, Mikke here. All right. How did you manage the merger of the companies? And especially, how did you address the cultural differences between the companies? Well, that's a very good question. I must say, we can be hours and hours discussing this. So let me tell you, I, I see it as two things, okay? The first thing is how the, let's say, Swedish and Spanish cultures are yeah. and how the company's cultures and how the company culture are. Okay, for me, yeah. it's two things. If, if, I look, if I look at 
the company culture, the company culture at Flowbox and at Photosorb was, let's say, 80% the same. We we kind of we 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 work hard. We we kind of uh, we have a strong passion to kind of deliver results to our customers. We have fun. We 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 pray for 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 perfection. We pray for being pragmatic as well. We are honest. We are transparent. We have these kind of let's say foundations. So it wasn't that complex for us to speak around these topics because we were on the same page at the end. Okay, yeah. and in a way, we are a tech startup. We are in a modern world. We, I would say that more or less we operate in the same thing, right? Trying to scale the business. However, when it comes to the country culture, it's different. And this is when that we need kind of to fine tune both, both engines, right? So for example, in, in Spain, we are much more used to follow a command line. No, I, let's say I, say, I say, guys, tomorrow we need to have this done, right? And everyone says, sure. Yes. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know? Uh, guys, uh, we need to have this. Sure. No problem. Boom. And I mean, they, they, this, this is how we are used to work. No, in, I, I'm just being maybe too much generalistic, but in Spain, we have this kind of mindset. Okay. So we have a boss or we have kind of a group of management team. We give directions, then execution happens. Okay. In Sweden, you cannot make this happen. You need to be much more, let's, let me tell you, political around this. We need to make sure that everyone buys in. Everyone is on the same page. Everyone kind of understands why this is happening, you know? So we needed to tweak the way on the way on working at all across departments from, from technology. Hey, we have a bug. We need to fix this bug. In Spain, just give me the bug. I'll fight with it. In Sweden, well, no, let's analyze, let's understand, let's see the impact, let's have a meeting, let's organize the deadlines, let's organize who's going to tackle this, 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 and this. This is how Sweden works. So, or, has, or at least I have seen. So we try to make a balance between kind of becoming a, a let's say, Wild West approach on doing things some kind, some claims, on kind of being a bureaucratic, not bureaucratic, but kind of really process and strict driven, you know? So we, we, are, we are still finding this balance. I mean, we haven't yet found it. Um, but this, this is how I would say the things around the culture, okay? So... Again, company culture, the same. Current, I'm honest, transparent, direct. We like, we like to wear pragmatic. No, these kind of things. Fine. We all, we, we both companies tick them off. However, how then decisions are taken, how relationships within people is happening, this is, this is complex. And this is what I'm, we, we, uh, what we are still kind of trying to make happen, to be honest. And this, Mickey, thank you for the question. From my point of view, I've heard from similar CEOs that this, this culture difference from like Sweden or the Nordics and the mid South Southern Europe. But wouldn't you say it can be a quite big difference then in the actual company cultures then and not just the country's culture, but, but if your culture is actually at the company used to be more direct and take decisions and in Sweden you should discuss it together and everybody should buy in. 
I think that can be quite messy then with the different. Isn't that a yeah, big but difference? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's that large different, but there, but a balance needs to find needs to be found. You know, and is the balance leaning towards more to Sweden or is it towards to the Spanish <laughs> style or is it is it straight in the middle? How you like? <laughs> I I would say that it's right now it's strict on the middle. So so I would tell you that right now we are strict on the middle. We kind of we kind of we know that that some processes are required. Obviously, because we are a large organization. So yeah. in this, I mean, when when at Photoshop we were a team of twenty people. Now at Flowbox we are a team of sixty people. Obviously, you need some processes, you need some documentation, you need yeah. some formalities, you need some rituals to happen, okay? What you don't want is to lose time doing these rituals and bureaucracy thing. Yeah. It needs to be, in, we need to find a balance between being really good at processes and being really fast at execution. Then then it's, what I, from, from my point of view, then maybe it wasn't such a, big thing because it just basically thinks that you've gone from being the, the 20 people company to be more towards the hundreds that you're now things that you you fix otherwise also correct correct yeah. correct yeah. correct so we have a team in sweden we have a team in amsterdam and we have a team in barcelona so we need the three of them to be in sync for example it's super interesting that you mentioned Amsterdam because when you said like Spanish culture and Swedish culture met with the different I like okay maybe you got the Netherlands or something in the type of like yeah I would I I, and honestly I believe that the Dutchies are just in the middle I really like working with the Dutchies Uh, it's a nice combination it's a really nice combination but Angela I have several questions too so we we meet to move on it's time for us to talk about go to market. This is one of my favorite topics. And regarding go to market, now I want you, Yolodi, to share your five most critical steps regarding building a strong go to market strategy, according to you. The five key cornerstones, according to you. Okay. So first, I would I would start by the customer. You probably you you need to un- properly understand your customer. Who are you targeting? With? So, who are you targeting to? Which are uh, his or her pains? Um, who? In, and when I say customer, I mean industry, size, location, tech stack. Uh, who's your buyer persona? What does he or she likes? What does she or doesn't like? Which are pains, etc. No, get a proper proper understanding of your ICP and buyer persona. And also, based on this, understand how your technology or solution will really enable them to improve. So I said buyer persona and understanding how your solution kind of works. The, okay, so we, we have that in place. What, yeah, what the, the third thing, the third component is... You okay, should so, be... so, so okay. What was what was okay. number two? And maybe you combine. No, I, I, I said on one end is understand your customer. Yeah. And then understand how your solution solves the pain for your customer. Oh, okay, yeah. That's point number two. Yes. Point number three is you need to have an organized 
outreach process. And if we, if we, I think the first bullet makes sense for the listener to understand. The second bullet understand. Do you have any input here? If you dive one layer deeper there, what is good input regarding understanding how your solutions solve their pains? How have you worked before there? So basically is is getting on a call with a lot of customers kind of trying to understand how they work how are their processes which are their challenges if the solution that they are using is working or is not working on what they lack or they don't lack so so yeah i would say it's most it's mostly about customer call customer discovery and, and and what what limit would you say is a good limit to like okay now we have enough data point is it 20 relevant ICPs, is it 100? How many would you say, where is the benchmark from your I'm always kind of, I'm always say the kind of the number of 32. 32? 32. So, so 3-2, that is the perfect thing. Yeah, because I I'm assuming... Why, why 32? I love this, like, super specific. Why, why 32? <laughs> no, it, 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 it follows a statistic thing. At the end, I, I, I'm assuming that everything follows a kind of a Gaussian, a Gaussian distribution. <laughs> and if, if everything follows a Gaussian distribution, as long as you have 32 points, you can understand the distribution. Amazing. So, yeah, this is, <laughs> 32 customers. Then you need yeah, to talk yeah. to them. Okay, good. We, we, okay, so, so I, the listener, have talked to 32 different customers and we think we understand not 30, now. How not 31, 32. Yeah, 30, yeah we have 32. 32. We have talked with 32 customers and now it's time to build an organized outreach where yeah. if you, this is B2B SaaS sales, the podcast, correct, so talk correct, B2B correct. SaaS, how, how, what is an organized outreach according to you here? So basically, it's, it, for, for, us, for us, it's about working with, with a kind of what we call sequences. Uh, so basically it's a defined process of, of okay, I am, I am, let's say that I'm gonna speak with this brand, okay? So um, what we do is we enroll this brand into sequence. Basically mm -hmm. what this makes is, uh, is it, it creates a set of tasks and a set of processes for the sales rep, right? So yeah. whatever, no? Yeah. So on the first day, you need to call this as much as you can. For example. Yeah. Okay. So, so if you, if you don't go too deep today, yes, but well, well, you you said the call. You start with the call. Is it call, then, email? then? Then probably I would then, I would start with a call. Then I would start with a. Then I would do something on LinkedIn, and then I would use the email. Okay. Good. And, and in that uh, order. Do do you do you do the pitch and ask them for a discovery meeting or do you like first give them some sort of white paper or like value giving? Yes. It depends. It depends. Obviously, if I if I get them on the phone, what I basically try to do is is on that same call get some understanding of of their processes, their challenges. Try to push them to a full demo of the platform of the technology. If I'm, okay. if I'm down the road of, of, for example, email on probably one of the emails that I will be sending, I will be using some sort of, of case study or white paper or something. Yeah. But I prefer, uh, as a preferred system, call. Yeah. 
Good. And then the fourth, the fourth big step of your go-to-market, what, what comes after an organized? For me, it's persistence. It's, nice. it's about persistence. You need to be super persistent with, a str- with clear follow-ups for you, for yourself as, as a sales rep. Today, I need to call these 76 companies and I'm not leaving the office as long as I do not call these 76 offices and I'm able to speak with, I don't know, 10% of them. So it needs to be super strong. Every day it needs the same thing. It's about persistent, persistent, pushing, 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 pushing. And the last thing then. And the last thing is, is let's assume that we are on the kind of the demo. How I usually kind of like to get on the demo is I try to speak the least on the demo. I love I love kind of making questions to the customers, the, how they work, what are the challenges, why are they not doing this, why are they doing that, if they have considered, if they are not have considered. Because as long as I can get them speaking, the better I will understand their problem and the better then I can tweak my demo to be aligned in a way that, hey, and this, you can fix this. And as you tell me that you were using that, look at this, how it can look now with our technology. So I try to get them speak a lot. um, uh, So then I can tweak my messaging. So at the end of the call, I I can ask, hey, I mean, do you see yourself working with this? Is there anything else? Is there anything that you can see that would hold you back from working from us? Not trying to make these kind of really harsh questions, kind of for them to tell me yes or no, whatever. So at the end of the demo, I can get a good sense if they are going to buy or not from me. Yeah. And yeah, we have it here then. Uh, yes, last question regarding the step number five. How much time do you set aside for a demo? Uh, right now, a one hour. Okay. One hour for a demo. It usually lasts kind of, usually takes 45 minutes, but I really like to get one hour. I'm I'm thinking to myself, I'm booking 30 minutes uh, always, but my best, my best demos always go to 35 or 40 every time. So that's why I'm thinking like, maybe I should book 45 so I don't need, so so we can take it. I book, I book one hour. That, that 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 is so long from my point and of view. But also also bear in mind that, that when I when I was doing sales at Photoslord, I was doing sales for the Spanish and Latin American markets that they love to talk. So <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so hey, how is everything going? Did the uh, did you yeah, see the soccer game last day? Did the so it's, it's, it's you need to get yeah, into this that, kind that, of exactly then, then you need the sixty minutes because you need the sixty minutes. minutes. Yeah, 15 yeah. minutes will just be the first. Otherwise, yeah. they will tell you, no, you are, you are too harsh, you are too direct. It's, no, we need yeah. some sort of, of dances around, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so you have been into it. My next question here is just, my, my, I ask this to every uh, guest, outreach. What's, and not like how you are doing it. Now I want to know, Aji, what's your preferred way of being to contacted? Me, to Eulogy Bordas. Yeah, to, to do to do. If I should get you into me, what, what's your preferred way doing you outreach? Will, to you? Yeah, in my case, you will reach me on email. Okay, so email is the first. Yeah, and if the, I, the, the reason is because I'm always I always have my cell phone in silent mode. 
So, so we I'm, start with I made, email, email, if I email you, and then if you if you think of a, a great outreach to you like a couple of weeks ago, they emailed you and one did it, what did they then? How did they caught your interest and get get to talk with you? Uh, sorry, I didn't miss. The, I, I didn't understand the question. So so okay, email first. And yeah. if you then think back of a great outreach to you a couple of weeks ago that caught your interest and you are now talking with them, etc. What did they do in the email? Was it like direct? Was it question? Was it yeah, direct? Bullet? Super How? short, okay. super short, direct. Super short, direct, okay. Direct. I don't need kind of these flourishing things. Hey, I saw on LinkedIn that you guys are doing great. I saw the ad. I, this is fucking bullshit, man. Just get to the <laughs> okay. fucking point. Super direct. What do you want from me? What are you delivering to me? That's it. Okay, super direct, straight to value. Direct and... Super short and direct yeah. and straight to value. And also, then... also another kind of thing. I'm just kind of trying to think my, to myself. Yeah. Any any email sent before nine in the morning, let's say eight or nine in the morning, yeah. it will not be properly read. Okay. Because I'm on my mobile, I'm just kind of cleaning the things up from the night. Let's say, you no, know, all kind of. Thing that I read, a spam email. So there is a high chance that I read something that I do not kind of recognize and I yeah. will just remove it from my cell from phone. From the cell phone then. Yeah. yeah. So if you kind of really want kind of to, that I read properly your email, this email should be sent between, let's say, nine and nine in the night, nine in the morning, nine until one. nine in the night. Okay. The, the other thing, no, I'm going to be sending yeah. this email at 7 in the morning because it's going to be the first thing that he will see in his inbox. Yeah, it's going to be the first thing that I'm going to see in my inbox and I'm going to make like this. <laughs> Super interesting. And should in the email, sh should they ask you for a meeting, a short phone call, or what? what, what is the preferred next step from your... Um, yeah, a meeting is fine. A meeting is fine. A fifteen minute, fifteen minutes meeting is fine. I okay. usually don't like. I usually don't like phone calls. So I just got. I would just reply. Hey, say yeah, fine. Send me a calendar invite for this day at this time. Please. Good. Then we have actually entered the roundup, and we only have a few questions left. Then time flies. Okay. And the first thing here. What's your favorite book? Okay. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna say something that is not gonna be very popular. Uh, I barely read any book. I look. I read a lot, but on blogs, on kind of people that I follow on LinkedIn, I read a lot of these kind of up, up, up time, real time stories. Yeah. I don't know why, and and maybe it's a kind of a it's a problem that I have myself. But reading reading a book of, of about a methodology or about a process. I don't know why I feel that it's something outdated. Okay. So, so if, if, not if, favorite book right now, but if you then like favorite no. newsletter, favorite uh, person uh, who, who delivers yeah, great there are value. Kind of, there are a couple of, there are a couple kind of, let's say newsletters or substacks that I follow from people here in Spain, some VCs, some other entrepreneurs. And also, for example, on LinkedIn, I follow the guy at retention.com that he, he's kind of really transparent on sharing how he's building a company that has grown from zero to $21 million um, dollars revenue. And he kind of every every week or so, he posts the progresses, what he's failed, what he, where he has failed, where he has kind of learned. These kind of things I really like because I, 
I, I can I can kind of start taking actions of these for the company as well. Yeah. Nice. Second last question. Go ahead. Now you're talking to your younger self. Think like 10 years ago. Okay. Uh, if you would give yourself the top one to three things to think of that you now know that you didn't know, what would you tell your Oof. younger self? Wow. Okay. I would probably tell tell uh, the first one is follow more your instinct and be stronger with your beliefs and enjoy life short that's why you live in barcelona and not that's why you live in barcelona <laughs> <laughs> okay so i so don't want to show you this weather that we have here so <laughs> it's good always good in barcelona. <laughs> like, i mean i mean yeah. i mean short in uh, short shirt man and the very last question go ahead can you share one of your life mottos Oof. I have something that I'm just kind of trying to think myself, eh? but uh, in, some, in some cases, when, when something kind of bad is happening, I say, okay, whatever happens, whatever happens, the sun is gonna kind of come back the next day. And, and for me, this is something is, is whatever happens, and uh, that I, lo- I lose a deal or someone kind of key from my team leaves or I'm missing the sales target or I'm having high charm. Fine. But at the end of the, at the end of the job, at the end of the day, the next day we are going to be alive as a, as a person. So it's like, maybe it's kind of, kind of a message for myself. Like, Hey, do not worry. I mean, worry, obviously, but worry kind of, in what you need to worry is on, on you being alive as a person, right? Uh, and, and, and kind of do not, I don't know if it makes sense, man. I don't know if, if, I'm, if I'm getting the message through. I think it definitely makes sense. Really? And things like this, angles like this, I'm, I'm hoping for with my last question. And to okay. like think more big term and think more, not, not on like all the small things. Yeah, uh, at the end, if you make it or not make it, um, I'm still gonna be Eulogy Bordas. I'm gonna be from Barcelona. I'm gonna have my life. You know, it's it's, and, and that's it. And yeah. with these words, we put period here today. And now I quickly shift into focus to you as been listening. Two quick ones. Number one, if you got value here from Eulogy, don't be selfish. Please tell a friend or a colleague to listen. To this episode in b2b socios and sure. thing number two press the subscription button we have great guests coming here every week and Eulogy, a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning thank you man thank you it has been an honor being with you today <laughs> <laughs>